Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to do what I call random thoughts. Um, well, not just random thoughts, but random thoughts based around, or random opinions, I'll say that. Let me word it correctly. Random opinions based on three topics that I want to speak on. First topic is something I saw on Facebook. Um, there's a post going around. Someone's talking about uh, for people not to fuel between July 3rd and July 5th, um, which is kind of a continuation of last week's podcast when I stated that it's not solely Joe Biden's fault about gas prices. So I'm going to touch on that. Um, other topic, um, in 2015, I became knowledgeable about Warren Buffett um, because of my interest in investing. But also, while finding out about Warren Buffett, I found out that there was like an annual dinner um, where certain people would pay money uh, to sit down with uh, Warren Buffett. Um, the money would be um, a charitable donation to a charity of Warren's choosing. So here recently, the latest person that got to sit down with Warren Buffett paid a whopping $19 million, right? Now, so now I wasn't really going to speak about it, um, but I saw that it was posted on the Wall Street Trappers page and he stated that he would indeed or he would have indeed paid that $19 million. So that would kind of made me get a little intrigued about it, right? I um, understood what he said. I looked at some of the comments and some of the people were like, nah, I wouldn't do that. And and, and certain things like that. So I I just want to kind of weigh in on that. And lastly, but firstly, which is the first topic I want to touch about, Title IX. Um, I was listening to Bamani Jones' podcast and towards the end, they have a news segment on his Monday shows. And usually they cover three news stories. So this past Monday, the news stories were surrounding Title IX. So it was one particular news story that was read that kind of, it made me stop and think like, wait a minute, this kind of associates with something that I heard Thomas Sowell say about it when we talk about these, these quotas and looking good. But is it actually making the progress that it needs to make right so so let's get started so i'll be the first to admit right i thought title nine was something completely other than what it its actual origins was now it may have changed it may have morphed into something but initially title nine's um reasoning was for there not to be any discrimination um in sports collegiate sports based on sex which gave a credit a bridge uh for female athletes to participate in athletics at the collegiate level right so that's a great that's a great thing right so this one particular article um the lady that was um that wrote the article she stated that she worked for a corporate a company and their job was they go around to the <clears throat> 110 universities and they check for compliance of Title IX issues. And so some of the issues or offenses that she said, you know, they usually come come by is you have situations where and there are certain loopholes that she stated that universities use to not 
adhere to their Title IX responsibilities. Such things range from counting female student athletes um, three times. Um, such thing as counting male practice players as female student athletes, amongst other things. So I was with her up until, you know, I was with her listening to that. I said, no, they, they, they shouldn't do that. No, that's not right. And then it kind of, it took a left for me, right? I thought my money Jones would have spoke on it, but he didn't speak on it. So I was kind of like, mm, okay, well, this, this took a left. And so where it took a left to me was that she said in their findings, they found that there was 11,000 female student athletes that um, were not accounted for. And when I say not accounted for, they were not on scholarship. They were not on, on teams, right? And so she said, and that, and that figure rounded out to be about 100 female student athletes on each campus. It's not, it's not very hard math, right? <laughs> you know, 11,000 divided by 110 gives you a cool round 100, right? So, now this is where she threw me, right? This is where she threw me. She indicated saying that, yes, I know that um, there aren't enough sports teams for a school to create the equivalent of a football team for female athletes. But they they need to figure it out. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a this this opens up a can of worms here. This is open this opens up a um an issue. Because what ends up happening in a lot of these major colleges, especially from the academics, I mean from the um athletic standpoint, a lot of these athletic departments are surviving off of the back of their football programs and basketball programs. And you may have certain institutions that their baseball program may be above their football or basketball program. But by and large, majority of the schools, football is king in, in, in collegiate uh, football. I mean, in collegiate sports, right? So money is taken from collegiate football to subsidize um, sports that aren't generating revenue. And so when I stopped and I thought for a moment, when she stated that each school basically has an obligation to find sports for a hundred female student athletes, right? It made me stop and think for a minute. I said, okay, this, this becomes a situation where you have have and have nots. You have certain schools that have extremely large athletic budgets. And then you have schools that do not have large athletic budgets, right? So you may have a school, and I'm just, I'll just pull a school, you know, just, I'll just name a school. You take like an, an Ohio State or something, or you take like an Alabama or Texas A&M, right? They're in the news. They have the money to potentially create female-oriented sports to find scholarship opportunities for a hundred um, female student athletes. However, you have other schools, and I don't have the financials in front of me, so I'm just I'm just randomly pulling things out. But let's just take, for instance, let's take like a, a Missouri or something. Let's take a Missouri, 
let's take maybe a University of Illinois. Let's take maybe, I don't know, um, let's take a Florida State, right? Let's take Florida State. I'm going to poke fun at Florida State. I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, so let's poke fun at Florida State for a second, right? <laughs> but let's say, for instance, they don't have the athletic budget to support 100 female athletes. So based on her findings and her company, they are not in compliance to Title IX, even though they may not have the funding to find athletic opportunities for female student athletes. And so it kind of made me stop and think about for a second something that Thomas Sowell spoke about when he talked about um, when he was teaching um, at Stanford. And how he he did a study um, for MIT. Well, he did a study on on MIT, where there were the affirmative action um, children, where he talked about how well black students scored in math compared to just scored in the top twenty five percent, right? Which is great. But they were going to MIT matched up in a school with other students that were scoring within the top 10 in math. And so what ended up happening with that with 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 that dynamic is that the black students were failing while the other students were excelling. And so what it ended up being was a situation as to where you were claiming that you needed diversity. And you have the diversity, but in the reality of the situation is you put diversity over actual achievement. Well, not necessarily the university. The university is being pushed to put diversity over academic achievement. And so it made me stop and think about this. You want to put certain schools in situations from an athletic budget standpoint. To create, because these are her words. I'm not making this up. She said the universities have to figure this out. They they just have to figure it out. <laughs> they have to figure it out. And so you're 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 calling out schools for not having a hundred opportunities available for student athletes because you have a number. You have a number that you want to hit. And I was I was t- I was telling this to my wife. I was telling this to my wife. I played sports, and one of the biggest things, aside from the camaraderie and the brotherhood and, and lessons that you learn with playing sports, you know, just life lessons. The other thing is playing in front of a crowd, people cheering, the momentum. You know, especially at, like in basketball, where you're on defense and you're in your home crowd screaming defense, doom, doom, defense, doom, doom, or or playing football and in the in the the opponent has it on offense and and the the home crowd is screaming so loud that it's that it's causing confusion, communication errors with the quarterback and offensive line may cause a false start and just things like this. And that is that that is just something that 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 that, that you that you gravitate towards, right? But then you have other sports. And I told my wife, I said, think about this. If you only have a handful of schools that can figure it out, 
as far as sports for women. Let's just say six schools are able to figure it out. Let's say six schools over the next couple of years can find ways to create sports, to give athletic scholarships to female student athletes. Six schools. Now imagine these six schools are going to play. Just, I mean, eventually it's going to get boring. I don't know what the sports are going to be, but again, she said, y'all are going to figure it out. The great thing about basketball, baseball, softball, is the fact that a multitude of schools can play, which makes, which brings more revenue via tournaments, via World Series. And speaking of basketball and, and the tournament, and, and, and I mean, you know, World Series and baseball and tournaments as it pertains to basketball. That That's. That what that's that brings money. But now you're saying that the schools need to figure it out for a hundred women to 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 hit a number for diversity. And the question becomes what is the objective? What is your goal? Is your goal to give women a sense of camaraderie to play sports to, to to actually do something that draws an audience do something that 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 can be beneficial that that that, that helps the bottom line or is it a situation where it's just about numbers it's about diversity it's about looking good because i just don't understand how you just can say, well, y'all just figure it out. And we're going to keep saying that y'all are not in compliance. And we're going to write articles stating what well, such and such university had this going on and, 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 and they didn't do this. Wow. Such and such university was able to create this opportunity. Are you going to are you going to look at the numbers or are we, are we going to add up budgets to, to decipher this? So. But with that being said, I don't disagree with the Title IX situation. I think it's great. But I just I just felt like that came off as a little smug. I felt it came off as we're not trying to empower women. It was more so of we're just and, and what, what ends up happening is is you draw resentment. Because the question becomes the football program is drawing in all of this money. Basketball programs are drawing all this money in. And money that could be put back into the programs to increase, improve weight rooms, to, to, to make adjustments around the field. We have to take a percentage of that money to create a sport. Just, just to create a sport that potentially only six schools can participate in. Makes no sense to me. I digress. So, moving on. 19 million dollars 19 million sit down with warren buffett the oracle of omaha is what they call it wall street trapper said he would do it i myself i wouldn't do it now i don't want to come off and sound like a hater of warren buffett warren buffett is considered to be the greatest investor of of all time right but i think that has to be put into a certain context right Little backstory about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett said he traded his first stock at the age of 12. 
And if anyone follows anybody, whether you follow Wall Street Trapper, whether you follow Earn Your Leisure, whether you follow uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, and he's just some of the people that, that, that I've just been privy to, whether you follow Jim Cramer, whether you follow Stanley Trunk and Miller, whoever you follow, right? One of the things that you've always heard them say is that the real big key, aside from buy low, sell high, and investing, is being in the market for a long time, allowing for compound interest to take over. Warren Buffett said he traded his first stock at 12 years old. I want to say the story that I heard about Warren Buffett. I think Warren Buffett said his father owned a brokerage. So obviously, if you're on a brokerage, obviously you have a you have a inside a inside ability to to purchase stocks, right? So I said one of the things about some of the guys that are considered Warren Buffett's contemporaries at this particular point in time. These guys probably didn't start. Well, I know these guys didn't start actively investing money. And so they probably were in their late 20s, early 30s because they went to school and, you know, did this stuff. But Warren Buffett said he started at 12 years old. Warren Buffett is 90. So if you've been investing since you were 12 and you're 90. Now, obviously, again, I'm not going to I'm not trying to diminish Warren Buffett any shape, form or fashion. Right. Because he's probably he's probably not the only person that started at a young age, maybe investing. Or any of those particular different things like that, because just easy you can you can get wealth, you can lose it, and he's been able to maximize his wealth from buying companies outright. Among two things, I'm not here to give a <coughs> a story of Warren Buffett. I'm just trying to put a little context to this, right? So, one of the comments kind of struck me and I thought it was I thought it was quite interesting one of the people said I'd rather listen to his interviews and stuff like that for free and many people read his shareholder um, letters that he, that he gives out to shareholders and stuff like that and said I'll do that and Foster Trapper responded back said that person did those same exact things but he still spent that 19 million and you wonder why and I said okay that's that's interesting but I don't want to in my opinion, take a one-off and try to make it seem as if it's a general consensus, right? Now, I don't really think, um, and, and a lot of people in the comments were saying, man, if you got 19 million to give it to somebody, obviously, you know, what, what else can you tell you? And some people were in the comments were saying, well, you know, this is a type of uh, a bond or, or, or some type of friendship that you could, that you could, you could get with Warren and stuff like this. And that sounds good. Again, these are random opinions, right? These are not fact. These are not buried in facts. These are just my thoughts. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Another thing that warned someone, I believe it was Jeff Bezos. I believe this is what I heard. And he told Warren, he was asking Warren about investing. And he said, dang, Warren, you know, why don't people just, just follow what you do? And Warren more or less was saying, well, people don't like to get rich slow. People want to get rich fast. And that's kind of what kind of what the thing is. I mean, notice, I don't know about you all. I don't see any more of these people talking about signing up to be trading the market and all this stuff like that was big when the market was up. I don't see any more of these people. Where y'all at? 
This is really the time to learn how to trade if this is what you're about. I don't see that anymore. People want fast money. Now people are jumping out of the market, right? But the thing of it is, getting back to this particular to this particular topic, is that if I was in a situation I have $19 million, no, I'm not, I'm not paying Warren Buffett $19 million to do that. No. I think one of the things that people have to understand, which I think some people do and some people don't, because again, some people want to wax a little deeper than they have to wax, but sometimes people... People that have money, right? They they spend it on 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 wild things, right? And I saw some other comments were saying, you know, you can look at this as a mentorship type of thing. And I'm like, how much? There's not a lot of mentorship that you're gonna do over a steak dinner, right? It's, it's not a lot. And one of the things that I look at is Warren Buffett is worth seventy billion dollars, right? And so one of the big things that people talk about about Warren Buffett is his stake in Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, I believe it had hit some very, very rough times, I believe around 1987. Right. And I believe Warren Buffett was able to acquire one million shares of Coca-Cola. Now, let's put this in perspective. Warren Buffett is worth 70 billion dollars. You want to know how much his Coca-Cola stake is worth? $30 billion. So nearly half of his net worth is from Coca-Cola. His personal net worth, not Berkshire Hathaway, the company, but his personal net worth. $30 billion. So the question becomes, Warren Buffett is 90. Rules of investing, longer you can stay in the game, let compound interest do its thing, you will be fine. So the thing to me is I'm not going to pay Warren Buffett $19 million for him to t- for, for him to tell me secrets to live to 90 so I could potentially maybe crack a billion. If I'm, if, if I'm, if I'm, I feel like if you were an average investor, let's say, let's just say you were able to start at 12, like Warren Buffett. Let's just, this is hypothetical speak. If you ever started 12, you know, trading stocks, you know, investing, you did pretty well. Over time, you studied the market, do the financials, the fundamentals, the technicals. You can do all this particular stuff. You got your own. You, you, you do like Warren does, uh, value companies, and you make it to 90. I wouldn't doubt that maybe you could have a billion dollars invested if, if you're doing things the right way. Because compound interest is gonna take over, and also it'd be nice if you could if you could if you could run across a Coca Cola too. <laughs> but again, this is not diminishing Warren Buffett. But hey, to each his own. I just don't think it's worth nineteen million dollars. I don't care about it. I'm 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 with the person that was in the comments. Like, look, I'll watch your videos. I'll read your shareholder letters. All this particular stuff like this, and I'll do that. I'm not paying you nineteen million, right? So that's that. So, lastly, <laughs> lastly, man, you can go viral for a lot of things, right? I wish this, just an episode of my podcast could like literally go viral with a lot of the ignorant stuff that I see, right? Let, let's, let, let some, and some people may think my thoughts are ignorant. Cool. No problem. You know, 
but just ignorant, right? No get, don't buy gas July 3rd to July 5th. So as I was looking through the crowd, man, someone asked, well, why would you do that? And so someone screenshotted a reason why someone said this. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh. This is terrible. This is awful. Who, who, who thought of this? And I'm, this is, I'm paraphrasing. It said that, hey, if we do not buy gas between these dates, the demand will go down and they will have no choice but to lower gas prices. And my first thought was like, okay, well, what about when you buy gas on the 6th? <laughs> so everybody bought gas on July 2nd. What if y'all allowed to ride about gas on July 6th? The price of gas is going to go right back up again. I didn't see anybody in the comments that said that. Now, mind you, let's take, let's take, let's take. I'm gonna try to make it through this, man. This is this is this is this is god awful. Listen, think about this for a second, right? Let's just say hypothetically, everyone just stopped driving for three days, right? Let's just let's just say we just stopped driving, got no gas for three days, right? Because just don't drive. You're gonna have an even bigger problem than gas. Because in a three-day span, just imagine if there are no trucks moving merchandise to grocery stores. Imagine there's no tanker trucks delivering any gas to gas stations. Imagine for three whole days. So imagine what's going to happen on the 6th. You will run the risk of Gas stations running completely out of gas. So not only will you not have gotten gas on the 3rd, 4th, or the 5th, you will not have gas for the rest of the day of the 6th. You probably won't get gas on the 7th. And guess what's going to happen? Gas is going to shoot even higher than it is now. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't. And it's just gas. So let's think about you go to the grocery store on the 6th and buy a whole bunch of stuff. And let's say you turn around and go back on the 7th. Let's just say for three days. I drive trucks, right? Sometimes you get a load that's 17, 1800 miles. A three-day run, right? You no know, guys run like reefer that may run from the east coast to the west coast. That's that's a three-day run. So imagine on a on a the 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 they said from the the third to the fifth. So the third is a Sunday, right? So imagine they got their load on a Friday, filled up that Friday. What well, that Saturday? Let's say they filled up July first. That Saturday. Oh, just say you filled out. You just filled out July second. Let's say you just drive, drive that tank out. That tank will be out probably on that that um that Monday, right? So you're gonna sit. From the 3rd, which is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then start back driving again on Thursday. When you can get gas again, get diesel again. 
could you imagine the cluster that 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 this would that this would cause? Just the just the absolute foolishness that would cause. And the reason I say this is because you say, "Well, what would you be foolishness?" Look what happened with the Lysol. I vividly remember going to Sam's Club, right? Me and my wife went to Sam's Club. And they had staff members on the aisle with the Lysol. This is like this is like children. And and they the, the aisle with the Lysol on, if you wanted something off that aisle, you would tell them, "Hey, I want this off that aisle." They would go cuz they had they had caution tape around it. You couldn't go get it. They would go pick the item up bring it back to you if you wanted some Lysol if it was all it was if it was limited two cans of Lysol they would go get you two cans of Lysol and you would leave and go so imagine that times I'm not even gonna say times just imagine that times two think about the baby baby formula think about the, the hysteria that was going around with the baby formula And I just said, I told my wife, I said, people choose to be willfully ignorant. You, you have a encyclopedia. You have the World Wide Web. You have videos. You have all of this stuff at the simple touch of a finger. And people choose to be willfully ignorant, not just on an individual basis, but on a large basis. The fact that someone said that the demand of gas would go down in three days, causing the price to go down. And we all just go back out there and fill up again on the sixth. Are you? <laughs> this is about as ignorant as when I think what it was, T.I. said we're going to boycott Gu well, black, well, people that can afford authentic Gucci. Going to boycott Gucci for like, what, three months, six months? Like, <laughs> if you're going to do that, you got to do like what Martin did with the uh, Montgomery bus boycotts. They didn't ride them buses for an entire year. Put it out of business. And y'all talking about three days. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm just saying, even if that could happen, like no planes taking off, no trucks driving, no cars, no, no, no public transportation, no nothing for three entire days. Do you can you imagine the calamity that would transpire on the sixth? Please help. Listen, help this episode of the Paradigm 132 podcast. Let this episode go viral. Because if willful ignorance such as that can go viral, come on, let's get some intellect out here, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, people just be, I mean, it just, I mean, this is just common sense. But anyway, man. That's another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. We'll be back to you again next week, man. Peace.